0: The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. For those of you that, uh, that grew up in a perhaps a more traditional church, uh, you know that, that we have entered into the season of Lent, and uh, there's this liturgical calendar, there's, uh, there's different seasons throughout the church here, and there's different colors that represent those seasons. Uh, Lent, does anyone know what the color is? Purple, very good. So I've got my purple earrings in this morning. Alright, so we are, we're still, you know, playing it straight here, so that's, that's good. Um, so yeah, this past Wednesday was, was Ash Wednesday, that was the start of Lent, and, and that's uh, 40 days leading up to Easter, not counting Sundays, it's the 40 days leading up to Easter, and uh, Christians around the world, we celebrate this, and traditionally during Lent, uh, we do three things as Christians. Uh, we, we pray and meditate, that's one, uh, we fast, and, and we give to the poor. Those are, those are three things that traditionally throughout the centuries Christians have done during this season as we look to the cross and as we look forward uh, to Easter. And of course we do this not because it gets us points with God, not because you know it, it, it really does anything for our relationship to God, but we do it because it focuses us on what God has done for us. It focuses us on what God has done for us by sending Jesus to, to take our place on the cross, to die for our sins. And so what we do during Lent is we actually look to the one life that was given that transforms all of our lives. We look at the one life that was given that's transformed all of our lives forever. And so this Lenten season, we're going to be in a series called Dust to Dust. And we're going to look at how the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus has actually worked to transform the lives of people in our church right here at Acts Church Land, and we're going to say, what does it look like for, for God's grace to enter into someone's life? And uh, I don't know if you all got a chance to watch a video we posted of, of Sandy online. Um, it, she's going to share a little bit more of her story today, and if you didn't get a chance to see it, uh, we'll, we'll play it in a little bit here. Uh, but we're going to look at, at her story today and, and how God's grace transformed her life, and, and for the next several weeks we'll be hearing different stories from, from different folks who are here of how God's grace has entered in and transformed things for us. But not only do we want to look at at how it's changed our lives, but we want to look at this idea of transformation in Scripture. And so today we we look at one of, like, it's the second story in all of Scripture, and it's about a transformation, but it's not about a positive transformation. It's about a transformation from from a good to a bad. It's a transformation that, that has actually affected all of us, even to this day, that we read about in our text earlier today. Still affects us today. Here's what I mean. About a month month ago, many of you know that uh, a group of us went to Guatemala to do some work with San Miguel, this village that we partner with down there. And while we were there, it was so cool, we got to see the kids that, that we sponsor uh, actually receive in Caparino, which is this nutritional beverage that, that we supply those of you that were here during Advent and Christmas. If you bought an ornament, that's, that's the drink that, that we give to the kids, and it gives them the, the nutrition that they desperately need. And it was just so cool. We actually got to see them drink it and, and, and receive this nutrition. It was so awesome. And so we're driving down the mountain, and I'm all pumped up. It was just awesome to see this happen and to think about how God's working all this. But we had one member of our group, he's not part of our church, uh, who is not as thrilled about this as I was. And he had several questions about it. He said, so, so what's the deal with this Accomparina stuff? And I said, what do you mean? Like, What's, what's this year?" And he says, well, why are we giving these people this sort of manufactured, processed stuff that we say they need? He said, shouldn't they just be, be living off the, the natural resources around them? Shouldn't they be living off of the, the natural crops that would grow there and the, and the livestock that they should raise there? Shouldn't they just get this nutrition from their diet? And I said, well, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that would be great, but, but they just don't have those resources right now. They just don't have the crops that they need, and so this is a good stopgap to get them the nutrition they need for the time being, and so, so that's why we did it. And he said, well, I don't think that's good. He said they should either just have the natural uh, resources that they have to eat, or, or it should be nothing. I don't think it's good to give them this stuff. And I said, like, you realize that even if they had every possible crop they needed to, to be healthy— they'd still get sick, like like eating the exact right things doesn't automatically guarantee perfect health, doesn't automatically guarantee, I mean, we live in a fallen world, like nothing is perfect, things are broken, fruit rots, you know, it it happens, and he said, and I'll never forget this, he said, I just can't accept that, I just can't accept that, and so I've been reflecting on that conversation, and I thought, you know, those words, I just can't accept that, have actually rung true for my heart. And, and I think for a lot of our culture, where we say, man, we look around us and we see some broken things and we see that things aren't quite right, that our, our bodies are sick and hurting and, and culture has all these issues and there's these social woes and we say, there's, there's gotta be something to just fix it. We just maybe need to better educate people or we, or we just need to eat a little bit better or we just need to, to learn a little bit more about this world and then we'll figure out how to solve all these problems. Things can't really be that bad. We just don't have it figured out yet. Things can't be that bad. What we see in our text today is that things are that bad, uh, that, that we do live in a fallen world, that we do live in a broken world. And here's why, that in the beginning God creates everything and he says it's good and, and he forms humanity out of the dust of the ground. In humanity, we, we enjoy perfect relationship with God, and we enjoy relationship with one another, and we enjoy good relationship to the, the nature around us and the creation around us, and we, and we know who we are, and we're secure in ourselves, and we have a good relationship within ourselves. But then we have this desire to be our own gods. We have this desire to be in control ourselves. For those of you that know the story, we, we eat the fruit, right? And we fall into sin. And every single one of those relationships, the one between us and God, the one between us and and nature, the one between each other, the one in ourselves, every single one of those relationships is severed and broken. And we see in our text that this curse enters into the world and affects us still to this day. If you look with me at verses 17 through 19 in our text, God's speaking to Adam and he says, and to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, So in this text, we see that that brokenness enters into this world because humanity falls into sin. And so God says, listen, the ground's cursed. There's going to be pain. Days are going to be hard. It's going to be tough. And then ultimately, he says at the end of verse 19, he says, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. In other words, he says, you're going to die. Going to die. That's a hard truth for us to accept, Right? It's hard to think about that. We don't like to think about our own death. I remember the first time that I uh, was helping out at an Ash Wednesday service at a church. And uh, they told me you know, you, to put ashes on people. And they said, you know, so you, you dip your finger in the ashes, you put the sign of the cross on people's heads, and you say, dust you are, and to dust you will return. That's what you say as you do it. And like, this may come to surprise you, but I was so nervous. Like, I did not want to do that. I didn't want to say those words to people. That's why I got Lester to do it for us today. Um, (laughs) But I didn't, right? I don't want to tell people they're going to die. That's sobering. Those are hard words to hear. It's a sobering truth, but it's a truth nonetheless. And it's a truth that that we actually need to face. It's a truth we need to face. Uh, Ernest Becker is a a writer. He wrote a Pulitzer Prize winning book called The Denial of Death back in 1973. And, uh, And he has this quote. He says, the irony of man's condition is that the deepest need is to be free of the anxiety of death and annihilation. But it is life itself which awakens it. And so we must shrink from being fully alive. So Becker's saying, our our biggest fear and our biggest, deepest need is to be free from the anxiety of death. But it's life itself, it's being alive, knowing that we're alive, that actually brings about this anxiety. Right? It's being conscious animals that means we, we have this anxiety. Like, cats aren't worried about their mortality. They're not thinking about it. They're just trying to deal with the yarn. Okay? We're, we're dealing with it. And he says, when we think about that, it forces us to shrink away from life, that we don't fully live. But I want to suggest that as Christians, we actually have the opportunity to not recoil in the face of death, but actually prevail over it. To actually move forward in life in the face of our mortality. And I think we can do this in two ways, and this is my hope this Lent for us. First way, that we look to our future hope. And, and that we realize the eternity that we have with God that awaits us. That the Bible begins in a garden, but it ends in a city. And it's heaven coming to earth, and Jesus says, Behold, I make all things new. And Revelation paints this beautiful picture of the world being set right, of of relationships being mended, of creation being put in order, of sickness cured, of of creation blossoming, of humans walking in the light and warmth of God forever and ever. It's this beautiful, beautiful picture that we see. And so I want us to find hope in that. Find hope in that life that is to come. But, I don't want us to fall into that trap of, I don't know if you've heard this critique, of Christians being so heavenly focused that they're no earthly good. You ever heard that before? Christians are so heavenly focused that they're no earthly good. I don't want that to be true of us. I don't think you do either. My hope is that that we'd be so heavenly focused that we do a tremendous amount of earthly good. A tremendous amount. And so with that in mind, my second hope for us this Lent is that as we reflect on the fact that we are dust and to dust we will return, we will return. That we look for transformation. That we look between dust and dust, we look for our lives to be transformed. First of all, for our personal lives to be transformed by the grace of God. That we would again and again say, God, I I need to be changed by your grace. I need to be reminded of your love for me. And then as we live into that, that transformation, we live into that reality to become agents of transformation of God's grace in Christ Jesus in this world. To go to those places that are broken and find healing and bring healing. And one of the people who's part of our church who I have been blessed to see um, be transformed by the grace of God and become an agent of transformation uh, in her daily life is Sandy Broussard. And it's, it's been awesome to see God at work in her life. And, and she is so willing to share her story with, with us today. And so we're thankful for that. Um, so let's take a moment. We'll watch this video for those of you that didn't get a chance to see it yet. And then Sandy's gonna share a little bit more of her story with us.
1: I'm Sandy Bruce and this is my story. I grew up as Catholic, went all through parochial school through the eighth grade, so I know all about the nuns and priests, and I went to church every Sunday, and I just didn't, I, I didn't get God's grace like I'm getting now. I, I It didn't click for me. I, I was a fan. I went to church every Sunday. I did what I was supposed to do. I lived by the golden rule. Now that I've been taken out of my comfort zone, I' found that I'm a follower of Christ. I, I try to do better. I try to do things for other people and it's not about me anymore or my you know my salvation. It's getting out there and spreading God's Word and it all just falls into place after that. It's a great feeling. It just changes everything. I'm on staff at at Axe Leander, so I get to do staff meetings with these three wonderful guys. They're all in their 20s. (laughs) And believe it or not, but they're the ones who have challenged me. They're the ones who have changed me. I learn from them. I just, I've been so blessed and I'd like to keep passing it on. I thought I knew before that what it felt like to build a church. You know, you've already got an established congregation but you keep building it up and building it up and I had no earthly idea what true building a church was and it really opened my eyes and my heart and it was so exciting. I've become a literacy partner. Once a week I read to three different kids at Pleasant Hill Elementary, where we also have church, I don't hesitate now to volunteer to do things because I know the more I give, the more I keep getting back. That's and if that's what I would, that's what I would really want people to know. Take a chance. If
0: y'all would welcome Sandy up front Thank you. Yeah, well, Sandy, thanks so much uh, for sharing your story with us, and it's it's awesome to, to hear how God's grace was at work in your life. And hi, uh, Ryan. Um, <laughs> and uh, in the video, though, I, I just want to ask you a few questions about what you said, and, and hopefully share with uh, our friends here. Uh, in the video, you mentioned right off the beginning, you say, you know, you didn't get God's grace like you're getting it now. And and I wonder what was it that that made the shift for you? What what what? When did God's grace really click for you? How did that happen?
1: Well. Like I said in the video, I grew up Catholic. And in the Catholic Church, you go to confession all the time. It's all about penance, um, trying to build up grace so that you can go to heaven when you die. And it's a constant struggle, lots of guilt. Then I became a Lutheran just eight years ago. So that was when I first learned about God's grace, that we're already saved. And that was a big thing for me it took a long time for me to get used to that that I don't have to carry all this guilt around with me yeah I'm gonna go to heaven (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's right that's right Jesus takes care of that and we we trust in him and yes yeah that's awesome that's awesome very cool um and and you mentioned though in in the the video that since being a part of this church that you've been taken out of your comfort zone uh so in in what ways has has been a part of this church taken you out of your comfort
1: zone Well, like I said, I became a Lutheran eight years ago, and even though I became a Lutheran, I was still that person that just went to church every Sunday. I wrote my check every week. Maybe a couple of times a year, I got out into the community and did something. I thought that was being a good Christian. I started out at Axe Lakeway, and from day one... (laughs) They're all about getting into the community. We went to church the first time, and as we're walking out the door, they stopped us and said, Do you want to sign up to do such and such? <laughs> and it was like, No, I just want to go to church. <laughs> I agreed then to come over when Gabe opened up Leander over here, and the first thing I attended was it's a year ago now the Seder Mill. Seder Mill. mill. <gasps> For Monday, Thursday, that was changing. Growing this church, that is changing. We are a part of every community activity. We're a presence there, and we don't push ourselves onto people. We're just, our name's there, we offer free stuff, and, you know, if they want to talk to us, we talk. I have... I committed myself to literacy partners, which was a big deal for me, because that's once a week for a year. Yeah. Gabe tried to push, push mentoring off to me um, for Nineveh, and it was like, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> then he took me to a Nineveh gala, and man, I'm, I'm hooked. Those kids just, they tear at my heart. So right now I'm doing everything I can to help them, every benefit they have I go to to help them. I'm thinking maybe next year I'm going to be a mentor. So AX has helped me. You know, their mission is sending changed people into a changing world. I've been changed.
0: And you've been sent. Oh, really sent.
1: Cool. Wow.
0: Really cool to see. And uh, Yeah, one of the things I know you, know, you do with Nineveh is there's um, a young lady who's part of the ministry. And for those you who don't know, that's an organization we work with that uh, provides mentors uh, for... Uh, Teenagers just coming out of the juvenile detention system. And there's a young lady you work with who just had a little baby, and so you you provide diapers and formula and all that for her. Yes,
1: yes, I do. I just, you know, she's like 17 years old. She's got a six month old daughter, and she's doing great. She awesome. is doing great. Um, I found out that she was doing things like when she was getting close to running out of formula, she would water down her formula to make it last a little longer. So. You know, just little things. And they're so appreciative. They just... It does my heart good. That's awesome. Things we take for granted is just beyond for them.
0: That's awesome. And what I love about your story is, is you know, you're, you're so clear about... You know, it's the grace of God that's, that's changed you. And then you enter into the brokenness in this world. And, and you say, all right, God, how can you use me in this place? And so one of my favorite lines that you have in your story is you say, it's not about me or my salvation, but it's about uh, going out and, and spreading God's word. And so I just want to ask you, how, how does your confidence in, in Christ shape your life, your day-to-day life?
1: Well, for one thing with God's grace and knowing that I've been saved, I don't have to worry about my salvation anymore. That's the big thing. I always had to worry about, will I make it to heaven? What do I have to do to be able to make it to heaven? And now I know I'm going there. So what I'm trying to do is get to people to let them know, yeah, maybe you've led a bad life, you've done bad things, but God still loves you, and you're still going to go to heaven. You know, you've got a chance. And being with this as we go out and sending and doing little things, it's so easy to to share with people so that they know they've got a chance. Hmm. They're not forever damned to hell.
0: Right, right. Grace says everyone has a chance. Yes. That's good. That's good. That's awesome. Very cool. Uh, well, last, last question for you, and then we'll let you go. But, but towards the end of your story in the video, you, you encourage people uh, to take a chance. You say, take a chance. And so for you, what would you say if someone is, is here this morning and they're saying, hey, you know, I, I believe in Jesus, but I, you know, I don't know what it looks like to fully follow him with my whole life. What would you say for them to take the first step, what that would look like?
1: Well, I have to tell y'all, when I first joined the Lutheran Church, two people are here who were key to me. Lester Hahn was the elder who led my member class. And towards the end of our class, I think we did it for like six weeks, he had Sharon McGee come in and talk to us. And the first thing she said was, join a small group. That's the big key. Here it is, you need to join a sending community. We're big on all we do is plan on what we can do to go out and help others. And once you do it for the first time, you're hooked. Mm -hmm. You can't wait to get back out there and do something else for somebody.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sandy. Can we uh, say thank you to to Sandy? Thank you. you. Yeah, you bet. bet. And a special thanks. She had knee surgery like three weeks ago and... Champion, moving really well. So that's good. That's good. Thank you so much, Sandy. Let me move this over here. Well, you know, I think about growing up and I'd hear people's stories of transformation and we'd hear people's testimonies. And I don't know about you if you've heard other people's stories and testimonies. And they're always these sort of like really extreme things, right? Like I was just super, you know, drug addicted, really into this thing, and I was, I was lying in the bottom of a ditch somewhere, you know, and I was just absolutely bottomed out, and, and Jesus came in, and he spoke to my heart, and, and God's grace grabbed a hold of me, and, and now I'm changed, and the, the, the switch is flipped, and everything's just totally different, and it's this extreme switch, and I remember as a kid hearing those stories, and I think like, yes, you know, I want that to be me, let that be the case, and the truth is, for a lot of us, it just doesn't work quite like that, it's, it's not quite that extreme. It's, it's usually a, a much more simpler story. And that's what I love about Sandy's story, though, is, is the beauty and the simplicity of it. All right? That it's just, it's a simple story of what God's grace can do to transform someone's life and how they can then live as an agent of transformation in our world. But it's still inspiring, right? It's a simple story, but it's still inspiring. And why is that? What's inspiring about it? It's real. It's real right? It's real. It shows us that God's grace is real, that God's grace has flesh and bones on it. That it's not just me talking about it, it's not just some abstract idea floating in the sky, but it's a force that's actually at work in someone's life. And the beautiful thing is, is God's grace is real for each of you. That every single one of us has access to God's grace. And we see this in our text for today. If you look with me at at verse 15, God speaking uh, to the devil in verse fifteen, and he says this: "I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel." And this verse is known in, in theological circles as the Proto Evangelium, huh? uh, and it's uh, it, it, but it means first gospel. It's the first gospel. It's the first glimpse we get of the gospel of what God's going to do. Because what God's saying is he's saying to the devil, he's saying, listen, you are humanity's enemy. But one day a human is going to come to this earth who's going to stomp out your head. You may bruise his heel, but he will stomp out your head. He will restore my relationship to me and my people. It'll be through him that the curse is reversed. And of course, this text is pointing us to Jesus. Jesus. That that he's the one in whom we all have access to God. The New Testament speaks of Jesus and says that he's the second Adam. In other words, he's, he's all of humanity reduced to one. That he was born the same birth that we were born. That he was tempted just like we were. He was tempted for 40 days by the devil himself and yet he didn't give in. He lived the perfect life. He enjoyed fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. He showed us the life we were meant to live. He showed us what it looked like to be a true human. He lived the perfect life, and because of that, he was actually crucified for it. And that's the the bruising of the heel that we see in in verse 15. But the the ironic twist, though, is the the crucifixion that was used to, to bruise Jesus' heel is actually what he uses to smash Satan's head to reverse the curse that on the cross he conquers sin and death and the devil forever that on the cross the only perfect human to ever walk this earth became sin for you took your place that you might know and experience the grace of God my favorite poet Wendell Berry he puts it like this it's a really short poem. It says, born by our birth here on the earth, our flesh to wear, our death to bear. Born by our birth here on the earth, our flesh to wear, our death to bear. You see, when, when you see that all of that is done for you, that way back in the beginning of time, God set forth this plan that was to rescue you through the death of his son, man, that's grace that transforms that's grace that transforms. And so this Lent, I want to encourage you to take time to reflect on God's grace for you and Jesus. Take time to just think on that and soak in that. And this morning, we're going to celebrate Ash Sunday. And, uh, and so as you come forward, and this is for, for everybody, as you come forward, we'll, we'll have it in line with communion. And as, as you receive ashes on your head and you hear the words spoken to you that you are dust, and to dust you will return, And you hear that sobering truth that you will die. Recognize that you're not dead yet. And recognize that that between now and then, God has work to do through you and God has work to do in you. And ask that God would show you how he can use you for his transformative work as we look forward to our future hope with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. For your grace that from the very moment we rebelled against you, from the moment we broke away from you, you made moves towards us. that we can't earn our way to you, but you climb down out of heaven into this earth, and you reach and you grab each of us. Now teach us to live into that truth. I thank you for Sandy's story and the inspiration she is to us. May you continue to, to bless her in the work she's doing. And may each one of us live as people who are sent by you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.